Hello and welcome back to Climate Conversations with Irish Doctors for the Environment. My name is Sean Owens and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague once again, Ola Nordrum. Alright, thanks Sean. Lovely to be here once again. Here at Climate Conversations, our aim is to talk to change advocates, leaders in the world of sustainability, biodiversity and climate, and health experts who can map the climate crisis and the planetary crisis back to human health. We're joined by Neve Nikanila, who works with Mental Health Ireland as their National Woodlands and Nature Project Lead. And you're very welcome, Neve, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, delighted to be here. So Neve, your current role is the National Lead for a, a project called Woodlands for Health. And I mean, that sounds amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about Woodlands for Health? Yeah, oh, absolutely. So Woodlands for Health is a 12-week woodland-based walking program specifically for people who are availing of mental health supports and services across Ireland. So it started way back in 2012, uh, as many things do with one person and a good idea. Um, so the inspiration originally was taken from a similar programme in Scotland called Branching Out, which still runs and is hugely successful, um, which was run by the Scottish NHS Mental Health Services alongside their National Forestry Board. And Charlie Burke, who is part of um, Quilta's recreation team, heard about this programme, thought it sounded great, went to visit, came back home to Wicklow and said, this is fantastic, we need to do this here. So he it started off with one programme um, in Wicklow, like I said, in 2012, ran really successfully. They ran another few programmes. Um, it was evaluated by UCD in 2015 and it grew from there. There was... Um, at that stage, Mental Health Ireland got on board, Get Ireland Walking got on board. It was um, supported by dormant accounts and extended to six counties. And it has continued to grow and grow since until I came into um, I came into post at the beginning of 2022 because Woodlands for Health had grown to such an extent that it required someone to coordinate it at a national level. And as we speak, we I always have to check these figures because I'm delighted to say they're changing all the time. So right now we've got 33 programmes running across um, 22 counties in Ireland. And due to have, um, we're looking at having 42 programmes across all 26 counties of the Republic of Ireland uh, in the coming months. In the coming months. That's amazing, Neve. And I mean, that growth is so impressive. Can you just tell us, is that... Uh, organic growth for want of a better word or uh, is this perhaps some EU directive that is uh, leading us the way or or simply is it just that you know Woodlands for Health works and therefore it has grown in popularity exponentially? Yeah it very much the latter is people hear about it and they want to get involved you wouldn't believe how many um different people I have getting onto it and to give you a little bit more of an idea about how it works at a at a local level, and I think this will help answer the question, is that we have, there's a national steering group which oversee 
um, the programs all over the country, which I am part of, along with representations from the partner organisations. Um, so that's Quilta Get Ireland Walking, Mental Health Ireland and Maynooth University, who support with the evaluation end of things. Then on a more local level, it's made up of local steering groups. So that involves representation from those partner organisations and then also local partners. So that would be mental health supports and services in the area um, and then can vary with, say, anyone else who's local who would be beneficial to it. So we could, that can be people say like local link or it can be volunteers and it can be, you know, people who've previously been involved and um, which is great. And for that reason, the word has kind of spread and spread and people hear about it and they want to, they want to see how can this work in my area too. And it's great that those local steering groups are expanding. There are more people getting involved. We've got a lot of social prescribers getting involved now. We've got GPs getting involved now, which is amazing. So yeah, it's very much word of mouth or things like, you know, like I said, the evaluation in 2015, we had a further evaluation done through UL at the time with Dr. Doug McIntyre, who's now in Maynooth, who, so the, the evaluation moved with him. Um, and then there's been, you know, publicity around the programme as well, which is fantastic. You know, we've had some videos and some, you know, newspaper pieces, things like this that help to get the word out there too. And yeah, it speaks for itself and the results have been really amazing. So when people hear how positive the results have been, they think, well, why not? It's it's a bit of a no-brainer. There are so many, there are so many pros to it, like some of those results to give you an idea a and I can tell you where to find those two is you know people are showing really positive huge increases in self-reported well-being also improvements in um nature connectedness so how connected to the environment they feel and um, things like improved sleep um so it's yeah and then there's there's so much more that people are coming back with anecdotal evidence all the time that I'm working on capturing because people are coming back saying things that I never would have even considered as benefits that they would find, like the social connections people are forming is proving to be one of the biggest ones, the what happens after the programme, so where people go from there. So a big part of the programme that we look at is towards the kind of latter part of the 12 weeks, what people will do after the program. So that might be with linking up with another one of the supports or services or offerings that one of the other local steering group members have going on, for example, local sports partnerships, just to give one example. And so, yeah, where people go next, how they manage to keep those benefits going and make walking in the outdoors and specifically in Woodlands part of their day-to-day -day life and part of their toolkit for supporting their mental health and well-being absolutely fantastic i think well i'm very passionate about kind of the nature and health and the relationship between it but it's fantastic to see such good quality results as well i'm just curious about um, the local steering committees and the groups mm -hmm. what kind of people are involved in these is it kind of normal people or just healthcare personnel or who, uh, so who have to run it so um like i said we have got um we've got um, there's representation from each of the from each of the national partners. So I don't officially sit on any of the steering groups. I kind of dip, dip in and out as they need me. But so we would have someone from 
Mental Health Ireland. So that's usually the Mental Health Ireland Development Officer from Quilta. They would usually have um, kind of a local guide, which is really amazing because then they also can share information about, um, you know, what different woodlands are around the place, but also tell people tell people about the about the woods, about the what they're seeing growing, which can add a really nice educational element to it, which people really enjoy and connect with. Um, from Get Ireland Walking's perspective, because they fall under the Sport Ireland umbrella, that would be the local sports partnerships. And then there's obviously the really crucial referral sources. So that's where are these people coming from? So that can be things like local mental health services. So that could be HSE mental health services. Um, for example, we get a lot of referrals from um, mental health OTs, um, mental health associations, mental health charities. Um, and then, like I said, then from there, it kind of, sometimes it can be things like, you know, other local walk leaders or kind of knowledgeable nature people. As I said, sometimes on some we've got local link involved, which is great because that helps to support the transport element of it. Yeah. And as I said, that's growing all the time. So if more people want to get involved, that can only be a good thing. And I think another benefit that we hadn't really considered is the the great connections that are formed by those other partners as well. And being able to look at, you know, having a better knowledge of what all of those other people are doing and how they can work together. And that actually they can do really good things when they work together, of course, but also being able to kind of inter-refer within those services. Like I've had people come back to me and say, for example, an OT coming back saying, you know, there are some people who she sees less frequently on her caseload now because they're now availing of supports from the Mental Health Association that they didn't even know were there. Yeah, and you kind of answered kind of my next question there. If, <laughs> if people are listening today to the podcast, if is there an opportunity for them to get involved? And I think they're in, it sounds like, sounds like there is anyways. For sure. And if you're, if anyone wants to get involved, you can contact me. If you go on to um, www.mentalhealthireland forward slash Woodlands for Health, or if you look up Woodlands for Health anywhere, I'll probably pop up and you can contact me. I will put you in touch with um, the most local Woodlands for Health to you. And we've got an implementation guide there, which was a labor of love of mine over the past year. And which gives a kind of, you know, that, um, profile that framework of how Woodlands for Health typically works goes through the things that are kind of the crucial parts of what makes it Woodlands for Health so kind of these are the things that need to happen and then these are the things where there's a bit more creativity because of course we know that all of these places are different the resources they've got available are different the people who are taking part are going to be different so of course there's a bit of wiggle room there too for making sure that it works for the people who are there but some of those kind of crucial things that have to happen are the local steering group um, that transport and refreshments are always provided because, you know, we want to make it as accessible as possible for people and um, that it's free of charge for those participants. So that means the way it's financed is we do have a small amount of funding at a national level, which I'm afraid to say largely, largely goes to keeping me in position. But um, then with supporting the programmes, it's kind of shared amongst those local steering groups. And that's often done more on a you know, of course, there's finances involved, but also on a resource basis. So it might be one partner has access to a bus. So that's great. That's the transport side sorted. It might be someone has a bit of a kitty for refreshments. So that's sorted. And then we provide kind of some goodies like hats and water bottles and fun stuff like that too. Just And really, we know that most Irish people would do anything for a, a cup of tea and a biscuit at the end, which is 
um, <laughs> a huge part of the program too. And like you said, with those connections and the network, that's a really integral part of the program that it's that coming together at the end and that kind of time to reflect. But when, which, you know, sitting and reflecting might sound a bit daunting to some people, but when it's done in the guise of just having a cup of tea together, then it's amazing how that happens very organically. Yeah, this 12 weeks duration it would seem to me to be quite a long time, especially for a pilot. However, the literature regarding behaviour change does suggest that it takes at least eight weeks to break down an existing habit and form new behaviours. So is that a key component of the programme, that it takes a couple of months for participants to really break down barriers and form connections and form the habits and become established is that a real key part of this and to develop that connection to nature and and other people yeah I think well from the point of view and this is something that comes up a lot because like you said it depends what way you look at it sometimes at the beginning people hear 12 weeks and think that's a really long time but once they get going and get into it they're like oh it's flying by so which is really interesting. But as you said, you know, and especially because with Woodlands, the first week is kind of more an introductory session. The last week is a little bit more of a celebration and a wrap up. So essentially, you're looking at 10 weeks of real kind of consistent. This is what we're doing every week. We're going out for a while, whatever. So um, so people have asked previously, they've said, do we have to do 12 weeks? Could we do a bit less than that? And I always say, look, we know it works at 12 weeks. That's what we've evaluated. So we know for sure you're going to like, chances are the majority of people are going to experience these benefits after 12 weeks. That's what we have found from the evaluations we've done for sure. Um, but of course in some, and also again, like you said, we know that they're, that these things take time. And even based on anecdotal evidence, then people who have run it before will say, yeah, actually it took, kind of towards that six week period before people even started, you know, being really comfortable interacting with one another and answering questions and feeling a bit more at home in that natural environment, if that was something that was quite new to them. But, you know, I understand that in some situations it may be a funding thing, it might be a resource thing. So we can, you know, if it's completely impossible for someone to do 12 weeks and it needs to be a little shorter, that's something that can be discussed. But as close as 12 weeks as it can be, I think that's the best way the best way it runs for sure and do you have much drop off like would the majority of people engaging will they finish the 12 weeks or because i know yeah. in medicine overall we have a huge problem with kind of compliance with medications and care and people for numerous reasons just don't engage but what's what's your percentage like or how many people actually finish the entire thing yeah again that's something that we've just started um because a big part of my position you can imagine because i'm the first person who's been looking at this from a with this kind of national scope it, where it's you know entirely my job although I do other nature-based things too which I'm sure I'll tell you about later but um so we've just started a process evaluation which is looking more at things like that on a very national level so exactly what numbers start what numbers finish so we will be able to have really hone in on those exact figures but based on you know of course the groups are individually gathering that information and the um, adherence to the program is really good, really good. And people do report back. And again, you know, the likes of the local sports partnerships run a lot of programs all the time throughout the year. And they do comment on the fact that 
people really like it and people tend to stick it out. Now, of course, there will be some weeks when people aren't there, particularly if we're talking about weather, um, which is something that we do try to, you know, we do try to encourage people to meet up, you know, of course, unless there's like a red warning or something, in which case definitely stay at home. But, you know, in most instances that they meet up and maybe even go for a short walk and just have the cup of tea or something like that, then and also encouraging people to know that, you know, we're we are waterproof <laughs> and that is, you you can't don't have to go out just on a beautiful, you know, a particularly sunny day like today. I try not to say beautiful because they're all beautiful in their own way. But yeah, the people really, do, of course, there are weeks when there aren't as many people, but people do tend to come back and yeah. The, the people tend to stick it out for the whole program, which is really amazing to see. Because, like you said, you know my background's in healthcare as well, so <laughs> I know sometimes it can it can be a struggle to um for people to adhere to a whole program, especially like we were saying when it's twelve weeks, which sounds long, but no people people really love it and tend to tend to not only stick it out but tend to, as I was saying earlier, then follow through with something else afterwards, some other sort of nature based activity which is really cool to see. And again, something we're excited to have some more um, evidence on to um, be able to refer to that a little bit more, more exactly. And I think uh, just like a little follow-up question as well in relation to what you're saying about the cup of tea and the snack and all that. I think that's mm -hmm. an important aspect as well because I was just out hiking there a few nights ago with some friends and I made buns to try and kind of entice them to get up the mountain and get up the hill. And it was very much like, if you walk up there now, we'll get you a bun and a cup of tea. And it has an amazing effect, even on adults. Like, obviously I remember as a child, like my parents would be like, oh yeah, like walk another hundred meters and you'll, you'll get, get your treat. But it works on adults as well. And I think having that kind of other aspect, other focus to not just the hike or the walk, but that there will be something in, in the middle or at the end where people can sit down and have a chat and have something to, uh, to look forward to for sure because you know we're all just essentially taller children aren't we um, and we all need that, that kind of goal something to work towards and yeah like you said not only is it something you know a goal and that's why we do things like you know it sounds like a really small thing that people get a woodlands for health hat people love the woodlands for health hats you know we'll, we we love we love freebies we love a cup of tea we're we're all only human um, and as you said too, it's the it's the coming together, and that's one thing. When it's with friends, then it's just a lovely opportunity, yes, to come together. And you know, people have been sharing sharing food and breaking bread together. You know, it's a tale as old as time. But especially when it's people who don't know one another, and if it's in a situation where you might not feel hugely confident in the beginning, if you haven't taken part in you know any sort of group program before, it can be a really nice opportunity to get that conversation going and it's amazing the transition that you'll see say on week one when people you know are kind of walking a bit more individually at the beginning they're just kind of sussing everything out and sussing one another out and then the cup of tea comes out and all of a sudden that's when the conversation starts and I think that's I I won't get it too too much into like the the nerdy environmental psychology stuff unless you really want me to but you know it kind of ties into the um the idea of um relational and collective restoration theory which is kind of more the the idea that kind of looks at what why what the mechanisms are by which humans benefit from interacting with the environment and these are by someone called Hartig if you want to look them up there it's, it's all very new it's 2021 and um, these were published but um 
it looks at not only the person environment interactions, but the person person interactions with the environment and how, I mean, of course, there, there's really cool research actually coming out of Norway, amongst other places on people spending solo time in nature. And that's a whole other thing. But a lot of the time people aren't spending time in nature by themselves. A lot of the times it's with other people and looking at the increased benefits from those relations with one another, but also with one another and the environment and how those support one another. So it's really interesting, which is kind of, you know, a lot of the foundations of environmental psychology. And that reminds me of something I wanted to ask you. The intervention, as you've described, is relatively low tech. It's a nature walk. It's time spent in company of other people. It's moderate um, to vigorous exercise. But the mechanisms to why it might work, I mean, they could be very high tech. Do we know what's going on? Is it the colors of nature, the, the shapes that we see, how they affect our mental state? Is it, I don't know, the microbiome, the effect of foliage and ferns on our gut health? Is it this evolving concept of awe, you know, the awe of nature, the cardiorespiratory effect, or is it some kind of, I don't know, synergistic effect of all of these combined i think definitely yeah it's all of these things and more and i think there there's there are people looking into this all the time and it's super interesting but we do know some things you know there is i am i spoke at walk 21 in dublin last year which is an international conference on walking and was one of the kind of keynote speakers there was Dr Esther Sternberg I'm not sure if you cross her work on healing spaces really incredible definitely look it up but she talked about some of the ways by which nature is how that works what it is about nature that is good for us so she talks about things like green light um, and green light sound so that green light um, actually as opposed to other colors has like has anti-inflammatory effects on the body and things like it's really and this is all proven and studied it's fascinating and then also the sound level that you know too much sound can be stressful for humans too little sound can be kind of unsettling and unnerving but the naturally occurring level of sound in nature is like the perfect level that we find restorative and also things that she talks about um biogenic volatile organic compounds which sounds really complex but it's basically the smell of rain and how that has um, both physical and mental health benefits too. But then from a theoretical perspective, you know, there's the biophilia hypothesis, which is basically, you know, the idea that we as human beings um, have, we're born with a tendency to affiliate with and focus on other living things. So that we're, we're all born that way. And then I, you know, I already referred to the relational and, and collective restoration theories, but there's also the kind of foundational theories of environmental psychology, I guess. So looking at the relationships between human being, uh, human beings and the environment and how they affect one another, look at how um, the environment is restorative, is reduces stress for us because it's positively adaptive for us as human beings so that we evolved in natural environments so it makes sense that they're good for us you know and then the that's where the the kind of infamous study on the view through the hospital window is based on that stress reduction theory so you know the idea that people recover better if they've got a, a view of outside rather than 
four plain walls in their hospital room, which was done in, in the 80s, I think, by um, Roger Ulrich. And then the attention restoration theory as well comes more into what you were saying, Sean, about that sense of awe, that soft fascination that, you know, we're not we don't have to focus too hard on something. It's not like that really direct fixed focus, like when you're staring at a screen, it's that more soft focus. And yeah, it, they refer to it as um, soft fascination and it's kind of the opposite of attention fatigue. So yeah, that's more of that attention restoration theory. So there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot there. Sorry, I'll try and, <laughs> I tried to be concise, but yeah, so there are a lot of reasons as to why nature benefits us physically and mentally and emotionally and in every sense but I also yeah I absolutely agree I think there are still many more ways and mechanisms and how that works that there's still a lot of research going into so very cool but someone very very smart I can't remember who it was but someone wise once said to me that you know we if there's something good that we know is going to benefit us and is not going to do us any harm you know we shouldn't just be waiting for more science to back it up because sometimes science can move quite slowly. Um, so we'll keep going with it in the meantime and we'll keep doing our own evaluation and hopefully contributing to that evidence base and hopefully that will entice even more people to get involved with things like Woodlands for Health. And I think kind of the take home message is that there's like the, the effects um, on human health from nature are very complex but the interventions are so simple and i think you mentioned this that, that one of my favorite studies is the ulrich study from the 80s mm -hmm. where he, just to explain it to the listeners like he basically looked at two uh, patient groups post um gallbladder removal and one group had a view of a green wall or a green space or trees and the other uh, group had a view from their hospital window of a brick wall and the patient that had a view of nature um required less analgesia so less painkillers and they recovered quickly or quick, uh, quicker than the group with the brick wall. And it's such an incredibly simple intervention and how that hasn't been replicated and tried to be applied to hospital settings since the 80s is like, to me, I, I can't understand why that hasn't been done. Um, but as you said, like the, all the effects are so complex, but the, actually what we can do is so simple by basically having patients um, have a view of nature or basically yeah, as, as you do take them on a walk in the woodlands yeah. and the effects are immense but what we do is so simple and so uncomplicated and so cheap really when you look at the big picture yeah for sure Neve, your work seems so timely because not only is biodiversity and nature in decline by every metric um, both in ireland and globally um, but there's also an epidemic of poor mental health um perhaps there's a, a connection between the two um but have we seen an inflection point perhaps through covid where people were forced to look within their five kilometers and look for green spaces to uh, spend time um have we seen a change in attitudes and behaviors in uh, in the recent past yeah really interesting question and with regards to covid i think you know of course, Woodlands for Health was was running prior to that. But I think one thing that was really positive was that it was one of the things that people could go back to quite early and that, you know, people could go back to meeting outdoors in groups and things like that before they could do indoor things. So actually the break in when Woodlands for Health wasn't running during COVID was was quite short. So that was really cool that it was something that people people could still could still do once, you know, once those um, geographical limitations were, li were lifted and things. Um, I think, yeah, with regards to timeliness for the need, 
like you said, um, the global issues of um, mental health and well-being and planetary health and well-being. And I think there, you know, there's really interesting research around this too. There's really interesting concepts like, you know, planetary health, One Health, 360 Health, this idea that we can't be healthy if the environment's not healthy or, you know, we're we are part of the environment too, but you know, if the, the land's not healthy, if the water's not healthy, you know, that we're all so related to one another that those things need to happen in collaboration, otherwise it won't really work or it won't really stick. And yeah, that's one of the one of the reasons it's been very cool to have environmental psychologists involved with um woodlands and the evaluation from the beginning because when I came in and I said, like, why are we, I was like, why are we looking at this concept of nature connectedness? Like, why aren't we measuring something else to do with mental health? Because little did I know at the time, you know, the idea of nature connectedness, how how connected you are with, how connected you feel with the natural environment has, you know, really clear correlations, at least with mental health and well-being, um, which is amazing. And can also then lead to, then increased levels of nature connectedness can lead to more pro-environmental and pro-conservation behaviors. So you doing more things to support the environment in turn. So I guess kind of looking more at that reciprocal relationship that, well, if I'm benefiting from nature, then what can I do for nature? So hopefully that's another one of those. Um, yeah, hopefully that's a benefit that we can see too, that people are not only, yeah, taking something really good from the environment, but I don't like to think of it as taking again. I like to think of it more as a relationship. I'm doing some, I'm supporting a little bit with um, some research going on in Maynooth with, um, through Green Roots, a PhD student things, uh, Cassie Murphy. And um, so you can have your eye out for that in the, in the coming years, but she's looking at developing a new scale for connected with, connected with, connectedness with nature, but, is kind of now looking at, you know, is it is it a connection we have or is it more of a relationship? And yeah, I think there's very interesting things going on in that space, how we can improve that relationship and what the, the benefits to both people and planet will be as a result of that. Well, this might sound like quite a basic question, Eve, but as you'd be aware, Ireland usually scores very poorly with our European counterparts in terms of the amount of available nature we have, um, you know, less than 1% of the um, available land has natural woodlands, for example. So has that been a challenge for the rollout of the programme? Uh, you know, is there enough nature in Ireland uh, for a programme such as Woodlands for Health? Well, for starters, we definitely need more. We always need more. And there are people, you know, I know you've had, um, did you have Ray on from Home Tree before? I think he was in one of the early episodes. So the likes of Home Tree are doing amazing work on, you know, um, and like say the likes of Randall Plunkett and things who I know you've had on too, you know, with rewilding and uh, reforesting. And that is so, so important. And we need more, we need more trees. We need more forest cover for sure. But I do think an interesting thing that we've been doing with Woodlands too is, you know, when it started off because Quilter were, you know, involved, you know, started this originally and because it was in Wicklow, it was the walks were all taking place in Quilter forests, which is great because they had, you know, they had facilities there and they had, you know, they were able to give free access to the places that people wouldn't, you know, would pre would usually have to pay for and things. So that was great. 
Then one of the questions that came to me really early when I came into post was people saying, look, we want to run woodlands for health, but like we don't have like a typical forest for miles and miles. And like we can get people there, but we're going to spend like an hour on a bus. We're going to spend like an hour back. Also, they're never going to go there because they can't get there. There's no public transport routes and whatever. So this was a decision we made at, at a national level. And um, <laughs> Filter very generously said, look, it's not Quilter for Health, it's Woodlands for Health. Wherever you can get your woodlands, whatever they are, make the most of it. So we've tried to balance you know, giving people the experience of going to maybe a more dense woodlands that they wouldn't usually have access to and then using green spaces that are closer to them too. So it might not be a huge forest, but it might be more like the trees that are in your local park or like a smaller gathering of trees and realising that it's so important to do that to make the most of the nature that we've got near us, even if it's not as maybe as glorious as, you know, it's it's not, you know, a national park or anything, or it's not a, a huge dense woodlands, because I think there can almost be, for want of a better word, a bit of a snobbery with nature that it's like, oh well, you know, the, the little park down the road's no good because it's not, you know, a, a huge, a big vista and it's not amazing in that sense. It maybe doesn't instill that sense of awe. But I'm very much of the team that any nature is better than no nature. And in the meantime, we'll make the most of what's around us. And that's me coming from a very privileged position of being surrounded by nature. I realise in some areas there are real, you know, pockets where there's very, very little. But then I know there are people who are doing great work in that area too, the likes of pocket forests and things like that to, you know, working on urban nature and getting more more trees in those areas. And just a quick disclaimer, Neve, you are, of course, speaking to us today from the wonderfully wooded and um, aesthetic West Cork. Um, but you know what? I think it's it's interesting. I my own kind of I guess journey with nature that you know I grew up in in West Cork. Like I'm at the at the very very bottom tip of uh, the most southwesterly corner. So you know I grew up. It's like it's very green. It's very blue. It's very unsurprising that I eventually ended up in a job like this. But I you know, like most people didn't appreciate it as a, certainly as a teenager, I was just complaining that the cinema was too far away and, you know, the shopping centre was too far away and those kinds of things. And then I, when I graduated, I originally worked in the NHS and I lived in a landlocked county in England in like a very industrial town. And it wasn't, I had been there for a number of years before I realised how much I missed, um, how much I missed the how much I miss nature, how much I missed being by the sea, how much I miss being surrounded by by green. For me, it was especially the water because I, I grew up beside the water. I was always, you know, I swam, I sailed, I did all of those things. So a huge part in of the reason for me coming back was just that I realised how, how what a big part the being around nature um, played for me and my health and well-being and my happiness. It's it's interesting. I hope because like from I'm in the region again, like disclaimer, but I'm well <laughs> used to kind of like forests that go on for miles and you can kind of get lost in the forest quite easily. Um and to me, Quilcha always came across as this kind of semi-state body that's only really interested in profit and logging and timber and kind of getting the most in terms of monetary value from their forests. And often you kind of find them to be like kind of forest plantations, not really forests or woodlands. They're just kind of there to to make money. 
And I really hope that like what you're doing can kind of try and entice them to see nature for what it really is just on its own and like see the value in nature itself. Uh, and not just something that we need to kind of exploit and get the 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 most timber and the most um, money out of. Um, so um, it's it's great to kind of see that you're kind of working with Quilture as well, because I think we need to shift the way we view nature and view forests in Ireland. Because like as Sean was alluding to, there's only about kind of one to two percent left in um, in Ireland in terms of actually native woodlands. Um, the stats used by the government would be 10%, but that's just including all those forest plantations that aren't accessible to people and aren't really kind of a biodiverse forest like uh, like they should be. For sure. And yeah, like you said, you know, what we're, I, I said, I'm, you know, I'm working with the, the kind of recreation side of Quilta and, you know, we're, you know, I think the more that we're doing in this space and the more that exactly the more we're proving that this is, you know, this is really useful, it's really beneficial and actually as you, I think you mentioned earlier, I think one of you mentioned earlier, it's also cost effective when you look at it from a, you know, I, I, I'm working on, I, I'm no health economist, but I'm hoping to get one on board at some stage because I know that branching out, who I mentioned, were kind of the original um, inspiration for Woodlands for Health, have some amazing statistics on cost savings in health services and things because, you know, so say, for example, looking at if people are taking part in this programme, what then is being saved in things like medication costs and hospital admissions and things like that. So, you know, it can actually, you know, there, similar programs have proven that it's not only really great on an individual and a, you know, a small group level, but also on a, on a national level, at a financial level, you know, there are, there are huge benefits there for everybody. Neve, it sounds like you wear many hats. Um, so you mentioned your background is an occupational therapy, uh, but you're back studying now in academia. Can you tell us a little bit about the academic side of? Uh, yeah, your... I sure am. So yeah, but my my background is in my I my um original my undergrad degree is in occupational therapy. So I studied occupational therapy in UCC, and I um I worked as an occupational therapist for six years. So I worked in um I worked in acute medicine and surgery in the in the UK NHS and I worked in um yeah I worked in rehabilitation and all, all sorts of areas and then I came back here and I worked in um I worked in community intellectual disability services so I covered about 100 miles of West Cork on my daily commute um which is um a, a great way to see the place to be honest um, and then from there I I mean, I, I'm like you mentioned, I wear I wear lots of hats. So I, I'm also a yoga teacher and I kind of exclusively teach outside because I think once I started teaching outside and realized what a different experience and in my opinion, enhanced experience people had doing yoga outside as opposed to inside. So that's kind of all I want to do. Um I was teaching a, a class of kids um recently for their for their sport week there in and had them outside had like each class doing yoga outside for 30 minutes and it was amazing you need to see it to believe it to see how calm this group of eight-year-olds were after doing yoga for 30 minutes outside and like staring up at the clouds they just didn't want to get up again and not just because they had to go back to class but yes so then I I came into came into this role then I thought you know I'd, I'd see see what else was out there see what else you could do with with an OT degree and a yoga teacher training 
And um, so I, I found this position and then through the work that I'm doing here and through the ongoing um, partnership we've got with Maynooth, I um, am now part of the first intake of environmental psychology in Maynooth University. So it's the first environmental psychology master's in Ireland, the third in Europe. And yeah, so that's a really, really exciting thing to be part of. And it's great to, I suppose, like you said, have the academics to go alongside the the practical side of things too and it's been a great way to meet a lot of people who are doing who are doing similar doing similar things it was really interesting when I came into this post originally people were so excited about it they were like I can't believe this post exists and I kept getting calls and emails and things from different people around the country saying I'm so glad that you're that you're here and you're doing this because nobody else is talking about and nature and mental health and well-being and then you know a few hours later I'd get a call from someone else saying I'm so glad you're here because nobody is talking about nature and mental health and well-being I was like hang on I think there are more people here and more people interested than we thought and it's more a, a matter of getting all of these minds together I think it was Jack Dorsey of Twitter who said Twitter wasn't invented it was discovered and it feels like that's something similar happening here that Woodlands for Health was just something waiting to be discovered and um, hats off to the the drier elements of it, the harder work, the unseen work, the evaluating, the construction of a framework, the follow-up, the countless background emails I can I can only imagine and also the academic side of it of you know writing up your findings, um, ethics approval, uh, publication, I mean, all of that background work is really phenomenal and usually unthanked and unseen. Oh, for sure. People are like, gosh, that's amazing. You must be outside walking every day. I'm like, I hate to say it, but I spend a bit more time at my laptop so that other people can get out and do that. But I, I do I do lots of walks around here myself in between stints at the laptop. <laughs> can I but ask one you. last question? Sorry now, Sean. I know yeah. you're trying to, to finish off and get to <laughs> be quiet but any kind of future projects or any kind of future developments for Woodlands for Health Neve anything kind of exciting kind of up and coming I'm so glad you asked and um, yes yeah, so at the moment we have set up a co-production group on nature and well-being so um for for people who aren't familiar with co-production it's um it's how Mental Health Ireland work at delivering everything everything they do so it's this idea of delivering public services in an equal and reciprocal relationship between people using the services and professionals and those the people who are using the services like families and communities and things so it's a real kind of consultation I suppose so we have been meeting as a co-production group this year because when it, for to give a bit of background when my post was being developed I suppose and the partners were coming together and saying what do we want this post to do yes Woodlands for Health was a huge part of it but they also wanted to leave some room for other nature-based mental health and well-being whatever that looked like so so far that's involved you know partnering with existing um programs I'd say for example we've been partnering with Park Run to kind of um enhance their messaging around mental health as, as well as physical health I've been involved with say men's sheds we you know piloted a workshop for the men's shed so when they were um going going for walks in their local communities but as I said this um, Nature for Wellbeing co-production group has been meeting this year and it's an amazing combination of um, of ambassadors and um, 
community practitioners and academics and we're using that to kind of hone in on we're hoping to pilot a new nature and well-being program and we're looking at at the moment we're doing a scope on looking at who is the who is the population that needs this the most and what can we offer to them and how can we you know provide something that fills one of those gaps because there are lots of things going on in this area like I said people may not know about it but there is a lot going on so we want to make sure that we're offering something that's not already there and seeing if we can yeah support support another group so hopefully we will have something we're looking at piloting something being ready to go at the start of 2024 and hopefully there will be some evaluation to go with that so watch this space fantastic and sorry about that Sean I'll, I'll let you finish now because <laughs> but thank, thank you that's it's yeah it's incredible Agneve, you really do speak to this issue of health and nature just so eloquently and it's very inspiring and it offers a lot of hope and from a personal point of view I just hope that we see Woodlands for Health in County Louth uh, sometime soon. So thank you so much for your time and your work, it's really really fascinating and long may it continue and congratulations on your success so far. Yes, keep an eye on your email Sean. Yeah. <laughs> thanks Eve. Thank you. Bye.